from the WGN Skyline Studio. WGN Radio presents a conversation. I want to make one thing perfectly clear. A dialogue. What are you prepared to do? An astute debate. Everything that's in the law. And a peek behind the curtain of politics. And then what are you prepared to do? I think Chicago is not only the center of the country, I think it's the center of the world. Don't tread on them. Where did this statement come from? This is the Sunday Spin. Your host is the Chicago Tribune's Rick Pearson. Good Sunday morning, everyone. I'm Rick Pearson of the Chicago Tribune. Welcome to this edition of the Sunday Spin for October the 27th, 2019. Yes, the last Sunday of the month of October and Halloween soon approaches. Welcome to our weekly look at the world of politics and policy as we take you from City Hall to the State House all the way on to the White House. So time to grab that Sunday paper, get that hot cup of coffee, and we'll do our best to get your week off to a good start. Well, I got to tell you, after that uh, deluge yesterday, uh, that actually seemed like Halloween weather that I remember as a kid. (laughs) All we needed was a little thunder, right? Yeah, exactly. To scare you. But uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the rain was uh, was very very steady, and the wind uh, was really uh, whipping things around. Uh, it held off though uh, for us uh, yesterday morning, Andy and yes, Dean and myself. Con- congratulations for beating the rain. We, yes. we had a we had a wonderful morning, and uh, we're uh, very very pleased to be part of the walk to end Alzheimer's that took uh, place uh, yesterday at uh, Soldier Field and walked up uh, along the lakefront. That was a little chilly and yes, windy. It was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, up to Balbo and then back uh, around uh, to uh, Soldier Field. Um, uh, there had to, how many would you say there uh, yesterday, Andy? It, At least it, five to ten thousand easily. Yeah. I think it might even been more than that. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Not only that, our Sunday morning team doubled the amount of contributions that we had set our goal for. So thank you all. Yeah, thanks for to the doing listeners that. for doing that too. Perfect. Perfect. So glad to hear that. That's uh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Uh, so I, I got to ask you, you got your Halloween costumes picked out? No. <laughs> Mine doesn't fit anymore. It, what was it? Oh, let's see. It was either Popeye or Mickey Mouse. <laughs> you know, I think, actually, I said, <laughs> what's the matter, Andy? I can't picture you in either of those. <laughs> oh, I can picture Dave in a Popeye costume. <laughs> I can. Because he is what he is. <laughs> I am what I am. <laughs> Eat a big can of spinach. Yeah. Well, I couldn't pull that off because I don't like spinach. Uh, one more quick item weather-wise, uh, sure. Rick, since we've been talking about the rain and everything. Uh, we do have flood warnings posted uh, for for Cook County today. It runs until 7 o'clock this evening for Cook, DeKalb, and DuPage counties. However... The flood warning continues until further notice, as they say, for a really a large part of the listening area north and northeast Illinois. Will County, Kankakee, Kendall, Lake Counties, Kane County, all of those flood warnings, Grundy County in effect until further notice. So with, a, with all a the lot rain, of, a, lot of water a lot of water around there, uh, I, you know, it's there's a, a very good reason why this flood warning is in effect. Uh, but... The skies are clearing. Yeah, we're going to have a nice sunrise here. And uh, finally, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it it was awfully just saying dark. it was awfully dark this morning. Just saying, you know, it was. Uh, but uh, yeah, and sunny skies for uh, the Bears at Soldier Field today. Yeah, will the skies, skies be sunny? Skies, sunny yeah, skies. will the yeah. skies be sunny on the field? That's what I want to know. Uh, does anybody know? 
No. Uh, yeah, it's it's been an interesting uh, start to the year, especially with the fact you have an offensive-minded coach that uh, – can't seem to figure out what's wrong with the offense. That's kind of scary. Um, <laughs> I don't know how much uh, how much that scares everybody else. It kind of scares me a little bit. Yeah, I was looking through the numbers yesterday, and I know that uh, Hampo will be in cause. will get more into this after the game today uh, at 3 o'clock. But the Bears' rushing attack is <laughs> not really much of an attack. It's uh, 28th in the National Football League. Ugh. Their overall total offense is 29th. There's only two teams worse than the Bears on offense. And it's affecting the defense because the defense is on the field so right, much. Right, right, They have no chance whatsoever to rest. And I tell you what, they probably feel like they have to score in order for the team to win. Which is a bad feeling. Very bad. I, I mean, I, I will say after watching the uh, Jets' performance against uh, New England on Monday night, at least it's nice to see there is somebody worse than our offense. Yeah, I mean that's a, that's pathetic. I mean, uh, with uh, that the poor quarterback, just leave him out there. Adam Gase, the former Bears offensive coordinator, uh, the head coach down there, and Sam Darnold just was in there and uh, was throwing pick after pick after pick. Four interceptions, yeah. and a, none of them a, were none a, of them were good throws. A fumble and a safety. Yeah. So other than that, how did you enjoy the night? <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, but oh, I. I I, I'm just fretting about what this what this fall and winter is going to be like with yeah, the Bears. No, I hear you. Uh, the, the Blackhawks. Um, that you know it was hard to take the four to one Philly loss. Correct. Because they admitted they played terribly like garbage. Yep. Um, and so then it's like, okay, let's get out of Dodge. Let's get out of home. New scenery, new surroundings. Let's go down to Raleigh. And then they choke up a four to nothing game. Yeah, and you know you, you hate to th- start thinking about excuse making because you know you don't want to make it, but you know and and it, it affected Philadelphia as well. I think a little bit at the beginning with the, with the trip to Prague and with all the uh, the hoopla that surrounded the, the global series and things of that nature. And then the schedule was kind of odd, especially at the beginning of the year. You had so much time off, and now you have back to a more of a normal type of an NHL schedule where you're playing pretty much every other day, if not every day, uh, back to back. And I just they seem out of sorts. It just seems like the the the, uh, the units are not cohesive at this point, and that Jeremy Colleton is kind of searching for some combinations that are going to work and that are going to provide some offense and some stability with uh, with with the way they skate. And you know, it's it's easy to to, to point fingers at oh, well the goaltending. Well, you know, you got to have some defense in front of you. I mean, we saw that all last year. It's hard to blame the goaltenders when. You can't clear the puck after three or four minutes, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got tired guys out there. You know, I, I, I the the game against the Caps that they lost two to one in uh, the shootout, and you know, here is a game that they were basically winning yeah. one to nothing for eighteen and a half minutes uh, until Washington pulled the goalie and scored the the tie. Uh, but Robin Lehner was great. Yeah, and. Uh, I, I I've said if they had won that game one to nothing, that was purely a goalie victory. It would have been. You're right, and you know I, I still think you can call it a goalie game because you know he was fantastic in that game. And you know, the thing that is is really frustrating, I think, to a lot of fans, including me, listening to the game and just sitting on my couch going, "Shoot the puck on the on the <laughs> yes. power play," because. What power play? Oh, and that's what I mean. It's because there's so many fancy passing and fancy passes here, and you know, and and I know that's worked for them in the past. It didn't work last year. Uh, the group is a little bit different this year, but uh, you know, the main thing, and I, I hear Troy Murray say it, I hear Eddie Olchek say it. Good things happen when you put the puck toward the net. 
So put the puck toward the net. Uh, all right. So the Blackhawks now rank 28th in the NHL in offense, mm-hmm. 19th in defense, 26th on the power play, 28th on the penalty kill, yeah, and 21st in scoring chance ratio. Yeah, I mean, what it, what more do you need to hear? Yeah, no, you don't. You don't. And you know, you look to, you look at the teams that are toward the top of their divisions and the teams that are in the playoffs constantly and you know, the the way that the Blackhawks played in in uh, in in 10 and 13 and 15, you're leading the way in power play goals, you're leading the way in penalty kill. It's all about special teams in, in the NHL. I mean, yeah, 5 on 5 matters. It does. It really does matter, but the games are usually won and lost and what you do when you're when you're down a man or when you're up a man. And uh, it just hasn't really uh, kind of clicked yet for this group. And for whatever reason, there's there's a lot of talent on this team. I mean, there's still a lot of talent that, that still has legs left in it. You know, with, uh, with Jonathan Taves and with Patrick Kane, you've got younger guys that are, are, are starting to establish themselves a little bit more. Uh, you know, I, I told you before we went on the air, and I said this last night on uh, on the beat with uh, Scott King, I said... There's there's two players to me that have been the only two players that have been consistent. Now, I'm talking about skaters. I'm not talking about uh, goaltenders here. But David Camp and Brandon Saad, they have been far and away, head and shoulders above everybody else that has played so far this year. Yeah, it's. Uh, but that's not enough. No, and and as you said, there is so much talent there. But when you see this kind of lackadaisical play uh, in your own end uh, of, of and failure to clear pucks. Yep. Uh, failure to uh, make crisp passes, uh, f- just kind of leaving a puck hanging there that uh, the other team can come in and pick up in your own end. Mm-hmm. Um, it is it's exasperating. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it, it is. is. It is. And, and I think what happens now, and what will will happen, I think towards the uh, as we get going here in the season. I mean, it's it's still early, and I know I, everybody hates to hear that. But it is. I mean, and you know, th- this was the first year for Colleton in, in the off season having his own uh, stuff put in. I mean, they learned on the fly last year. There was a lot more reacting than thinking last year because you didn't have time to really <laughs> grasp it. You just right. had, had to got had to go out there and do it. I think there's a little more thinking going on now than rather reacting and playing. And I think that will kind of uh, evolve into you know what we saw towards the end of last year when they were playing good hockey. And there's some new faces, yeah. I mean, it might take a little time for them to to start to realize what uh, each player brings, uh, and y- and you hope that the leadership in that uh, in that dressing room is uh, addressing things. And I, I think they're all accountable for it. And I, I I think they're the better better days ahead. Well, I I know you say it's early, yeah. and I I, and I hate saying that, but it's, but it's true. Okay, but so today will be the tenth game. Correct. Okay, and. So you're about an eighth, eighth of the way through the season. You always <laughs> want to try to have uh, more points than games played. Very true. And they have six points. They have six. In nine games. Yeah, the Kings that they're playing tonight have eight. I understand. So I'm just saying it's it's a chance to get healthy is what I'm what I'm getting at. And they they need, in the last couple of years, the Blackhawks have not been the dominant team at home that we've seen over the past few years. So that's something that, uh, to me, needs to be addressed quickly because, you know, you had this seven-game homestand, and you got two wins, and that was it. I mean, it, you had an opportunity right there in front of you after you get home uh, from uh, from overseas, and it just didn't uh, it didn't materialize again, though. I think there's enough leadership in that room. Uh, to get things uh, to get things straightened out, Jeremy Collins got that nice even 
easy uh, approach to him. But, you know, inside that locker room, he's he's a different guy than we're seeing in the media. Right. And, I mean, as he said uh, after the Philadelphia game, he was asked about, you know, line switches and whatever. And he said, really, uh, you know, that's not a big deal. No. And But then turns around in, in Carolina and, you know, started shuffling guys around. Um Something's got to change. Yeah, he's looking for combos. I mean, that that's that's, sure. that's, that's that's a plain and simple fact. And and yeah, I mean, it's it's much to do like with the baseball lineup. You know that that baseball lineup is that lineup intact one time. You know what I mean? You, you get your leadoff guy leading off the game one time, uh, and then it just kind of has to play itself out with guys doing what they're supposed to do with uh, in, within situations. Kind of the same thing with hockey. I mean, you're you're paired with a guy. You got to know what his skill set is. You got to know what makes him good. You got to know what makes him uh, a little suspect, and and maybe cover for that. So I, I think guys are trying to learn how to play with each other at that point on the on the various lines. And, and as you see during a game, I mean, they change all the time anyway. I mean, he'll 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 mix things up. Um, maybe double shift Kane. So it's 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 not all about that. But yeah, he's still searching for some combos. Ah, well, we will just uh, wait have faith. Have faith. Yes, I well, <laughs> I know I, you do. I, you know, I do. I know you do. I mean, I, I didn't even put on my uh, sweater today. You didn't, but, but just, you have a hat. That's good. To, I'm trying to shake, yeah, shake up my lineup okay, a little good. bit too, good. like like okay. them. Whatever it takes. Uh, and uh, and of course, we got Rossi as manager now on the yeah, side. Kind of an interesting hire to me. Um, uh, you know, he was kind of the candidate all along, and I think I mentioned to you few weeks ago it was it was kind of an insight into how much analytics and how much this front office may be uh, uh, involved in the day-to-day operations the day-to-day lineups the day-to-day uh, management of this ball club because if you hire a guy like Joe Girardi or an established manager you're not going to have that influence because these guys are are good on their own merits and have uh, a, a great track record but of course uh, Ross does not uh, as a guy is well liked obviously and I think the biggest question that will be answered probably in the press conference tomorrow is, you were a teammate of these guys, you were friends with them, you were right. a teammate, and now you're going to be their boss. How's that going to work? Yeah, I mean, and we've talked about that, yeah. you know, before. I yeah. mean, that's that I think is the big question. Yeah. And, uh, uh, well, things have got to change on the north side as well. Yeah, and then the White Sox fans are just uh, sitting on the edge of their seat in anticipation <laughs> yes. of what's going to happen in this offseason, and uh, and rightfully so. I mean, this is uh, kind of an exciting time to to be a White Sox fan. Hot stove league. Love the hot stove. Yes, indeed. And uh, it felt especially good in the rain yesterday. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. <laughs> well, Dave's here to keep us up to date on all the news. Andy's here with the latest sports. Producer Casera's here to field your phone calls. We're at 312-981-7200. You can also text us at 312-981-7200. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash the Sunday Spin, on Twitter, at symbol Sunday Spin. And Engineer Bob is not wearing a fright mask. It's just the way he looks on Sunday mornings remember you can find all of our shows on wgnradio.com you can also get our podcast at itunes by searching for my name rick pearson we're going to take a quick break on this sunday morning this is the sunday spin
Welcome back to your Sunday Spin. I'm Rick Pearson. Up ahead on your Sunday Spin, after the 7.30 News and Sports, we'll be joined by State Representative Emanuel Chris Welch. He is a Democrat from Hillside and the chairman of the Illinois House Executive Committee. And we'll talk to him about his legislation patterned after California that will allow college, college athletes to be compensated for endorsements. And we'll talk about the veto session as well. After the 8 o'clock news, we'll be speaking to Governor J.B. Pritzker about the veto session. And then... After the 8.30 news, we'll be speaking to Jim Durkin, the Illinois House Republican leader. That's all up ahead. Time for a quick break on the Sunday Spin. This is the Sunday Spin on 720 WGN. Once again, here's Rick Pearson of the Chicago Tribune. Welcome back to your Sunday Spin. I'm Rick Pearson here in the Allstate WGN Skyline Studio. You didn't hear that. WGN Skyline Studio. Sorry, old habits. Uh, Time to spin through our... uh, Last week in national politics, and of course we begin with President Trump and impeachment. Uh, interesting story in the Washington Examiner that uh, John Kelly, uh, as he was leaving as White House Chief of Staff, uh, warned the president not to hire a yes man. Uh, quote, I said, whatever you do, dot, 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 whatever you do, don't hire a yes man, someone who won't tell you the truth. Don't do that, because if you do, I believe you will be impeached. That is uh, what John Kelly, the former chief of staff, said, uh, which was very interesting because it prompted uh, Stephanie Grisham, the White House press secretary, to respond, saying, uh, I worked with John Kelly, and he was totally unequipped to handle the genius of our great president. Uh, That is the White House press secretary. Um, You have the issue of Republicans that uh, in the House who uh, basically try to break into the hearings of the House Intelligence Committee. Uh, The president also raising some warning signs on Friday. He said impeachment could lead to a great economic depression. This was the worst hoax in the history of our country. And a lot of people say that the phony deal on impeachment where I have a perfect conversation, perfect, with the president of Ukraine, and they're using that to impeach one of the most successful presidents. We're going to hit another stock market high. We have the best jobs reports. We have the best unemployment numbers. We have the best employment. More people working today in the United States than ever before. I've rebuilt the military. We're strong. We just did a great thing in Syria where we're getting our troops out. We took over oil. A lot of great things are happening in this country. I will say this. If anything ever happened with this phony witch hunt that the Democrats are doing, the do-nothing Democrats, I really believe that you'd have a recession depression, the likes of which this country hasn't seen. So there's your uh, warning shot on that one. Uh, That's that's where... uh, Things are starting as uh, impeachment proceedings continue on Capitol Hill, the impeachment inquiry. We're going to bring things closer to home now, and joining me on the phone is State Representative Emanuel Chris Welch. He's a Democrat from Hellside, and he's chairman of the House Executive Committee. Representative, thank you for joining me this morning. Rick, Rick, my pleasure. Always an uh, honor to get up early for you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And uh, with being chairman of the House Executive Committee, I know most people really, you know, they, they don't know the nitty-gritty of the General Assembly, but uh, that's the hot seat. That's the heater seat. That's the committee where all of the uh, big issues come through. 
Well, it's all a matter of perspective. It's it's, it's a great committee. <laughs> <laughs> what am I wrong? Uh, you know, it, it could get interesting every now and then. It, it certainly uh, does. It certainly does. And and of course, tomorrow is the start of the uh, General Assembly's fall veto session. Uh, only scheduled to be six days, uh, but uh, there's a full plate ahead. Yeah, I, I definitely think it'll be uh, six days to watch. Uh, you don't know what's going to come out of it, but hey, in May, we didn't know what was going to come out of the General Assembly in May, and it turned out to be epic. It was historical. Uh, I think in, in mid-May, that, in mid-May, we didn't know what was going to happen at the end of May. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, uh, anytime the General Assembly gets together, uh, anything can happen. And so it's going to be six days that I think folks uh, need to pay attention to. A lot of great things uh, are, are floating around, and, and anything can happen. Well, let's talk about one thing you'd like to happen, and that's the legislation that you have that uh, kind of follows along with the uh, new state law in California uh, about allowing Catholic, uh, college athletes to make money from endorsement deals. Well, i got to tell you, uh, I'm really excited about this proposal, House Bill 3904, the Student Athlete Endorsement Act. Uh, it is uh, identical to the bill that Governor Newsom signed into law in California on September 30th. In fact, I signed it. I filed it the same day he signed the California bill intentionally uh, because uh, I just think it's that important for Illinois to, to follow suit quickly. But it's, it's all about uh, uh, athletes being able to profit off their own name, their own likeness, and their own image. Uh, and, you know, in the uh, and it's fair and it's equitable. That's the that's the right thing to do. Is it a matter of kind of a, a basic unfairness that NCAA and, and uh, teams are kind of capitalizing on these personalities? You know, Rick, the NCAA makes about a billion dollars a year just off the Final Four. A billion dollars a year. They've got a $10.8 billion contract with CBS Sports uh, that they signed back in 2010. These coaches, athletic directors, the commissioners, they make millions of dollars. The students, nothing. Uh, and what, what the thing that came to my mind immediately when Governor Newsom signed that bill in the law was the great run by the Loyola Ramblers in 2018. You saw that uh, those kids' images everywhere everywhere. You even saw Sister Jean, who got a bobblehead out of the deal. Coach Moser got a multi-million dollar contract out of the deal. But those students whose names, likenesses, and images were all around downtown Chicago and all over uh, the country uh, for a period of time, they got nothing out of the deal. The University of Loyola made, uh, uh, I think, in excess of $300 million off of their merchandising. Well, and, and, you know, obviously, the world of sports has changed so greatly that, you know, at first the argument was always, well, most of these uh, student athletes, they're uh, they're getting uh, tuition, uh, they're getting they're getting a degree, the value of the of a degree at no cost, that that was the compensation factor. Well, I think those are the folks that confuse the issue. This is not a pay to play bill. This is not give every uh, athlete who's a college uh, athlete a salary. This is allow athletes to profit off their own name, their own likeness, and their own image, uh, just like you would uh, if you uh, uh, 
tried to sign an endorsement deal, you'd get to profit off your own name, likeness, and image. It's the right thing to do. And they'd only get paid if they, they were able to sign these deals. Um, the universities are making money off of these uh, students. You go to a, a, a Northwestern game yesterday, and uh, there's jerseys on, on the fans with the names of students. The universities made money off those those jerseys. But the student whose name is on that has made nothing. Uh, and, and that's not fair. And that's why I say it's a matter of fairness and equity. Another reason it's about fairness and equity is Northwestern has one of the greatest music schools out there. When I was at Northwestern uh, playing baseball, I had friends who were in the music school on, on scholarship. They could go uh, Rogers Park on weekends or in Evanston on weekends and play in a bar, make some side money, and they wouldn't lose their scholarship. Why would the student-athlete lose their scholarship if they made money uh, doing something on the side? Uh, don't think it's fair. I don't think it's equitable. And that's what this law changes. And, and, and sorry about the Wildcats yesterday, by the way. Yeah, they're they're having a rough season. I was listening to your sports segment, and uh, it's tough being a Chicago fan right now. Yes, <laughs> yes it is. Uh, in fact, uh, Doc Emmerich sent me a text during the break saying that uh, the old adage is you can't you, you can't uh, don't don't judge a horse race by the first eighth, but you can certainly lose one by the first eighth. So uh, that's for sure. That's uh, so. Uh, how are you plan on moving this during veto session? Well, it's up on Tuesday morning. It's up on Tuesday morning at uh, 8.30 a.m. in the House Higher Education Appropriations Committee. Uh, I've been counting the votes on the committee, and it looks like we have the votes to get it out and hopefully on the floor by Tuesday afternoon. Uh, I'm hoping that uh, we can then uh, get this thing over to the Senate for the second week of veto session and on the desk of Governor Pritzker, who I'm hoping uh, uh, will sign this so, so that we keep Illinois on par uh, with California. If I'm a coach in California on September 30th, I woke up with an amazing recruiting advantage. The Pac-12 and all of those colleges and universities in that state, the coaches can go into a living room and say, you need to come here, and here's why. And I start out with the, the Fair Play to Play Act that the governor signed there. And so Illinois needs to be able to, to stay competitive with a big state like California. And, and, uh, and I know Governor Pritzker's been doing his homework and is, is studying this issue, and I certainly hope he comes out in strong support of this just to keep Illinois on par with California to begin with. Well, we'll uh, check in with him uh, after the 8 o'clock hour on this bill. If that's that's your pitch to him. That's my pitch. All right, fair enough. We're speaking with State Representative Emmanuel Chris Welch, Democrat from Hillside, Chairman of the House Executive Committee. I'm Rick Pearson. This is the Sunday Spin. Welcome back to your Sunday Spin. I'm Rick Pierce from the Chicago Tribune. And joining me on the phone, State Representative Chris Welch from Hillside. He is chairman of the House Executive Committee. He's also uh, the sponsor of legislation that would allow uh, college athletes in Illinois to uh, make money from their endorsement. Oh, I'm sorry. I guess he is uh, cut away here. So uh, we'll try and reach back out to him if possible. Uh, to back to Representative Welch, uh, because uh, this is kind of an interesting concept here. California is doing it, and as uh, the representative said, this is kind of a, a method for uh, perhaps helping in recruitment. And uh, in fact, uh, one of our texters said that uh, you know, wouldn't this bill give a big advantage to major market schools as far as recruitment and that's certainly kind of a major significant issue does that affect how maybe uh, chicago area schools and a bigger market uh, would they 
be at an advantage in recruiting, uh, given the ability for endorsements and the market area itself, the economics of the market versus perhaps more traditional college towns like uh, University of Illinois in Champaign-Urbana or Illinois State in Bloomington Normal. So that's kind of an that's that's kind of a interesting interesting factor to work with. Uh, we're going to switch now over to uh, talk about uh, some national politics, and uh, we'll go back to our uh, talk on our spin through national politics. And you know, last week we saw the testimony of Trump and the U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, uh, Bill Taylor, speaking before that House Intelligence Committee. Taylor laid out the quid pro quo of a Ukraine investigation into Joe Biden's son in exchange for U.S. military aid. Connecticut Senator Chris Murphy, a Democrat, said Taylor's testimony helped make the case for impeachment. You can't impeach a president because you disagree with his or her policy. But this is beyond a policy disagreement. This is a president who has compromised our nation's integrity and our credibility, who has put in jeopardy the safety of our citizens, especially with the disclosures this week, as ISIS breaks out of detainment and looks to regroup to threaten American again from Syria. Now listen, the corruption detailed in Ambassador Bill Taylor's chilling and brave testimony yesterday, it cannot be allowed in a democracy. Our refusal to accept this kind of behavior, it is what separates us from all of the tin pot dictatorships around the world. That's Connecticut Senator Chris Murphy. Uh, Asked on Friday as he waited to board Marine One about Bill Taylor's testimony uh, and that he was, in fact, Bill Taylor was Secretary of State Mike Pompeo's pick for ambassador. Here's what President Trump had to say for reporters, as well as uh, putting in a dig at CNN. Here's the problem. Are you calling him a liar? Here's the problem. He's a never Trumper. And his lawyers are never Trumper. And the other problem I'm is... Pompeo. Why do you make Pompeo liar Hey, everybody makes mistakes. I, Mike Pompeo, everybody makes mistakes. Do you want him out now? Like he He's a never Trumper. His lawyers, the head of the never Trumpers, they're a dying breed, but they're still there. And here's the other problem. You're with CNN and you're fake news. Yep. Here with CNN, it's fake news, and and truly, uh, people are kind of asking where this evidence of uh, Bill Taylor being a never Trumper came from. Uh, no one quite understands uh, the president's reference there, and in fact, uh, Bill Taylor was an ambassador uh, to Ukraine under uh, George W. Bush. So you have that. Uh, then. Uh, last week, the chairman of the House Oversight Committee, uh, one of the impeachment investigative committees, well, uh, Elijah Cummings was laid to rest. Cummings died October 17th. He was known as a powerful figure, not only in the halls of the Capitol, but also back in his native Baltimore. At his funeral, uh, former President Barack Obama eulogized him and made a perhaps not so subtle dig at President Trump. And I was thinking I'd want my daughters to know how much I love them, but I'd also want them to know that being a strong man includes being kind. That there's nothing weak about kindness and compassion. There's nothing weak about looking out for others. There's nothing... There's nothing weak about being honorable. You're not a sucker 
to have integrity and to treat others with respect. That's President Barack Obama at the uh, eulogizing uh, Elijah Cummings. Uh, you, uh, it's just been such a crazy week in Washington, and then of course, you know, tomorrow we've got uh, Donald Trump coming to uh, have a fundraiser at Trump Tower, as well as speak to the International Association of Chiefs of Police. Uh, which I've um, got a story in Sunday's paper about it. I'll have another one tomorrow about it. Kind of an interesting chance after all the things that the president has said about Chicago from afar, including even some criticism from Seoul, South Korea, of all places, when he was there about Chicago. Now he gets a chance to uh, deliver that criticism up front and in person. And well, I'll be waiting to see what he has to say when he attends the Chiefs of Police Convention at McCormick Place tomorrow. You're listening to the Sunday Spin on WGN. Now back to the Tribune's Rick Pearson. It's the Sunday Spin on 720 WGN. Good Sunday morning. Welcome to the second hour of your Sunday Spin. I'm Rick Pearson of the Chicago Tribune here in the WGN Skyline Studio. Joining me on the phone is Democratic Governor J.B. Pritzker. Governor, good morning. Good morning, Rick. Uh, looked like you had an enjoyable time at the mansion for uh, the Halloween party last night. We we did. We invited uh, children and their parents from the Springfield area, really from anywhere, uh, and we handed out candy. And you know, we had uh, my uh, the first lady and I dressed up. Uh, she came as Princess Leia, and I came as a Jedi. And uh, the kids were better dressed even than we are and uh, were dressed up as uh, everything from it in the movie uh, to uh, superheroes. So it was a lot of fun. We really we had a, a great time. The only thing that hampered it a little bit was some rain and it was a little bit, little bit cold out. But the, they braved it, came and we had a great time. You plan on using the lightsaber during the veto session? Oh, you know you'll need it. <laughs> well, I, I, thank you for coming on. I, I thought it would be a good time to have you on with the start of the veto session tomorrow. Uh, you had a chance to uh, see what Mayor Lightfoot's wants are as uh, she tries to put together the city budget. And uh, one of the things being a graduated uh, real estate transfer tax, um, and I'm not sure what the appetite is in Springfield for that. Well, I first of all, I'm uh, you know happy to to be working with the mayor uh, as I am with all the mayors from around the state uh, to try to help them uh, deal with local. Uh, budgets and to help them alleviate some pressure on their local property taxes. Uh, and so, you know, the mayor, of course, has uh, put her budget forward and a piece of it. Uh, she has asked for the right to impose this uh, graduated real estate transfer tax. Um, and so I'm going to work with the legislature. Um, I want to encourage them to be helpful to her, as I will to uh, uh, the other mayors around the state. Uh, with their needs, and um, you know, we'll see where we get to. I, I'm hopeful uh, that we can get some bipartisan support for uh, both of her proposals. Uh, and I'm, you know, as you know, I'm pleased to work across the aisle with Republicans and Democrats to try and get something done 
so that we can, uh, you know, make it easier for cities to, to do their job. Well, and I know, you know, one thing that's straining budgets uh, all over the state for municipalities is the issue of uh, uh, first responder pension funds. And you had a task force that came out and uh, proposed uh combining these more than what is it 600 different uh pension individual pension funds from across the state into uh one for police one for uh, fire and uh, we've had brad cole from the municipal league on the show before talking about uh with kind of uh, merging those funds together uh less duplication for cost as well as the prospect of having a greater rate of return based on a greater investment base that's right, and this is a, a great uh, move forward. If we can get this passed, this will help our pension funds to, to shore up, to alleviate some of the property tax burden on people across the state, uh, and make sure that we're paying the pensions that are owed to our police and firefighters. Um, you know, combining 650 uh, pension plans, their, their investment dollars, allows those funds to get greater returns on their investment. And that's a hugely important thing, again, because then you're not turning to the taxpayers to try to make up for those dollars. And that's what's happening today. You know, the the pension funds as a whole, those 650 pension funds, individually, when you put their returns together, uh, they're performing at about 2% below what the IMRF, the uh, Illinois Municipal Retirement Fund, uh, is performing at, and uh, and you know varying degrees of you know one and a half percent or one and a quarter percent below uh, the other pension funds uh, that the state uh, has, and so if we can just fix that problem, uh, that would be an enormous benefit to taxpayers again and to the retirees. Um, add to that that the task force that I put together that came up with this plan. Uh, also worked hard to address uh, one of the problems within that uh, pension, those pension plans, and that's the the tier two recipients. Um, that that's the new uh, retirement plan uh, for uh, people who join those uh, those uh, pension funds later. Uh, that that there's a technical problem in them that will require shoring up and. Uh, we had to, you know, improve the benefits to make sure that they're greater than the amount of Social Security that people will receive. Um, and they went into a room and worked hard to try to solve that problem, too, and they did. And so collectively, that, that really doesn't cost very much within the context of this plan. But think of this. This is $15 billion of pension investments collectively across those 650 plans. And that $15 billion can have $12 billion added to it over the next 20 years because of consolidation and better investment returns. Um, that's, that's a big deal. And that's something very important for us to move on. We should get this done. I'd like to get it done in veto session, and I'm working hard for that. We're speaking with Democratic Governor J.B. Pritzker, the governor of Illinois. We're talking about the veto session of the General Assembly, which starts on Monday. I'm Rick Pearson. This is the Sunday Spin. Welcome back to your Sunday Spin. I'm Rick Pierce from the Chicago Tribune. Joining me on the phone is Governor J.B. Pritzker. We're talking about the start of the fall veto session on Monday, and we've been talking about uh, the uh, proposal that would combine 
pension f- funds, uh, police one fund, fire separate fund, but have it as statewide funds in an effort to uh, improve the rate of return and, and provide some cost savings. Governor, just a couple of quick questions that have been raised on the text line about that is, uh, one, uh, a suburban police officer says their pension fund has been fully funded because they put all the money in and managed it why should we give our money to those who haven't done that well i think there's a misunderstanding there um they wouldn't be giving their money to those who don't have it the consolidation here is merely for investment purposes it has nothing to do with shoring up any other city's funds so essentially, you know, think of them as separate accounts that each city would have. Uh, those monies would be collected up and invested with money managers, the, the best money managers in the country. And uh, they would earn returns on them at a higher rate than they're currently earning on them. And all of the money that belongs to his uh, city's pension fund would go back to the police in his city and back to the firefighters in his city. So. Um, there's nothing uh, here that, that takes away the control of the dollars. Uh, it's simply trying to get better investment returns for him and for the taxpayers of his city. I want to ask you about a couple of other things with veto session. Well, one, I had uh, Representative uh, Chris Walch on the show previously talking about this NCAA uh, bill, the bill that would allow student-athletes to uh, receive, uh, be paid uh, for endorsements that they do. I was wondering if uh, he made a pitch to you on the air. Uh, wh- what do you what do you think of this? I think his bill is a, a really good first step, and I'm going to work with him uh, to try to protect our college athletes. Um, as you know, the you know student athletes are the backbone of the college sports industry, uh, and they deserve the same opportunity as everyone else to earn compensation based on the use of their name and their image and their likeness. Um, the bill that he put forward, I think, uh, rightly uh, aligns it us with uh, California so that the effective date wouldn't be until 2023, because I think we all believe that there ought to be a national approach to this. Uh, and so there's time in here to you know develop that national approach and make sure there's a federal law. Uh, but if there's not, you know, we just think it's right uh, that the uh, name and image and likeness of, of student athletes belong to them, and they should have the right to um, you know to earn dollars based on that. Uh, a lot of talk about the issues on vaping uh, and controlling that. Um, what what are we going to see, uh, if any action on that? Do you think? Well, this is a really important issue, and I, I, I know that there's been some confusion out there about what's going on uh, with vaping. Um, first of all, th- there are two uh, things I think people haven't paid a lot of attention to separating. Um, one of them is that we've had these terrible deaths uh, and illnesses that have developed, and they're taking place all over the country Uh, and they have been mostly associated with the use of illegal THC cartridges, marijuana cartridges, uh, as well as uh, THC oil. And those are illegally obtained, they're illegally manufactured, um, and that is mostly what is causing the illnesses and deaths that we've seen. I've been working closely with our uh, Department of Health 
leader, that's Dr. Azike, uh, and she's doing a terrific job in collecting the data and making sure we understand what's happening and how it's happening, and also what the unusual other circumstances are that have don't seem to have something to do with, with THC, uh, though those are very few. The THC deaths uh, from illegal uh, use of illegal THC uh, are causing about 84% of all of those illnesses and deaths. Um, the other issue is the one that, that uh, there's a, a bill by Representative Conroy uh, about, and that's the, the flavored vaping products that are about nicotine. Um, and, you know, the, you remember a number of years ago that the, the public discussion about uh, Joe Camel and the attraction uh, to cigarette smoking uh, that, that was, uh, you know, the major companies were attempting. Um, well, we want to try to address this issue with vaping, which is a new industry. Uh, you know, when you've got flavors like bubblegum and mango, um, things that really there's no taste of cigarettes, as I understand, in these things at all, and yet you're ingesting nicotine, uh, it's attracting uh, people into using nicotine that shouldn't, and uh, that's, you know, our children. So I think it's uh, appropriate for us to look at what to do here. Um, you know, I support banning the flavors that attract children to vaping. And I look forward to working with the legislature, with Representative Conroy, with Senator Cullerton, uh, uh, that's John Cullerton, um, to make sure that uh, we are uh, coming up with the best solution to protect our kids. Uh one thing I didn't uh, touch on as far as something that the mayor wants is the, the, the issue of a change in the tax structure of uh, the casino uh, gaming language. Uh, the gaming board had a consultant study that said that it wouldn't necessarily be marketable. Um, I've been curious why not just put out for RFPs, request for proposals, and see what the marketplace bears on this. Uh, but she didn't build any casino money into her budget. Uh, I'm not sure. Is this something that can be uh, looked at over those that six day period and something be be accomplished? Well, she didn't build it into her budget because uh, there wouldn't be any revenue. Even if uh, we were able to get this passed, there wouldn't be any revenue in this budget year for her, or very little anyway, uh, if at all. And remember that that uh, she intends to have. Uh, this uh, these casino dollars uh, dedicated to paying the pensions uh, that Chicago has. So, uh, you know, I do think that there will be a lot of discussion, and uh, there is a bill, I gather, that's being put together. You know, my team has been working with um, the city and working with the uh, caucuses to try to come up with something that would be helpful to the mayor. Um, and uh, the mayor's put forward uh, the, you know, the basis, the backbone of those ideas. So, um, you know, so I think there's, you know, there is some um, uh, Movement. You know, desire to try to be helpful to her in this. Uh, and I think we'll, you know, I'm going to encourage our legislators to, to help her. That's Governor J.B. Pritzker, Governor of the State of Illinois. Governor, thank you so much for your time this morning. We'll uh, be talking to you in Springfield uh, this week. Rick, it's always great to talk to you. Thank you. Now, the Sunday Spin continues on 720 WGN. Here's Rick Pearson. 
Good Sunday morning, and welcome back to your Sunday Spin. I'm Rick Pierce from the Chicago Tribune, enjoying a bit of sunshine over Lake Michigan and the Chicago River, and here in the WGN Skyline studio, joining me here is State Representative Jim Durkin from Western Springs. He is the Illinois House Republican leader. Leader Durkin, welcome to the show. Rick, it's uh, great to be here. It looks great on the on the lake. Hopefully it's a good sign for our beloved Chicago Bears to get their act together. Don't even take me there. I, although I, I, I do admit, I think I had some personal joy in the fact that any San Diego Chargers fans that came to the city yesterday, I bet they weren't well prepared or oh, well dressed their North for face that on and maybe they're they're muff you know, they're wearing their, their mittens and uh having a not exactly san diego type weather in chicago yesterday no but, it wasn't uh, but uh, it's it's good bear weather as they say right exactly. as mike dick would say it's good, yeah, good bear weather so, yeah, well all good, all good. Speaking of bearing down, as we've been talking about on the show this morning, it's uh, the eve of the fall veto session in Springfield. Uh, A number of issues, as always, uh, even though it's technically supposed to deal just with vetoes, and frankly, there aren't really any vetoes to deal with. Um, But it's also an opportunity for a number of new issues. And uh, I guess top of the list, since the mayor delivered her budget address, uh, last week, she's looking for help uh, from Springfield for one, uh, the uh, uh, permission for the council to enact a graduated uh, rate proper real estate transfer tax. Correct. Um, it sounds like a heavy lift, and, and you know, my understanding is uh, she's been encouraged to reach out to your side of the aisle that if there's something to help chicago then there ought to be something to perhaps help the suburbs or downstate uh that's accurate i've, I've talked to the mayor a few times and uh, i met with her personally about a week and a half ago um and uh, i indicated to her that the issue regarding um passing a legislation getting republican support for this graduated real estate transfer tax is not something that my caucus would be supportive of and uh, you know we're coming off of a, a pretty aggressive session. We made some tough decisions, and uh, uh, I don't feel that we're in a position to support that proposal right now in the veto session. Uh, I don't see any. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll listen to things down the road, but right now our caucus is going to allow the Democrats to take the uh, the initiative. Lead, uh, the initiative, since they have the supermajority, uh, they can take the uh, uh, the reins on this one. So. Um, I, there is another issue, and I think that I, I told the mayor that uh, I'm, I'm open to working with her on it. This is going to be regarding the uh, uh, tax rate for the uh, casino, casino in Chicago. So those are two things that we talked about. One, we're just not going to be supportive of. We can't get there. Other one, I'm keeping an open mind. You know what? I, I, I want to help Chicago, but I have to be fair to the caucus. And, uh, you know, we're coming off, as I said earlier, a pretty aggressive session down in Springfield. But what is the harm of merely voting to authorize the Chicago City Council to enact? I know how the City City Council of Chicago will act, and they will take it up. And you know what? Uh, I think it's again. Uh, there's a def- you don't want the ja- you don't want to wear the jacket. You don't want to wear the jacket, but there are certainly issues that define Republicans versus Democrats. And this is I look at this as an issue that is clearly a Democrat issue. 
This is clearly have, has their name and their DNA all over it, and I'm going to let them manage it. And uh, we don't have any members from the city of Chicago. I want to be supportive. It's even more difficult when a great portion of my caucus lives south of I-80 and uh, even further south than Springfield, Illinois. Is there something that could be uh, offered in exchange? Well, you know what? Um, in the great tradition of I'll keep- legislative deal making in the, the log rolling so in the say. log rolling yes you know i'll keep my one good ear open uh, down the road so <laughs> <laughs> um but i think just for purposes of this veto session let, let's let, I, I just want to caution people on veto sessions uh, they're the most overrated times of the year they for the tend to fail to meet expectations oh my gosh do they every year so uh but you know what i like I, I again i want to help the city of chicago where i think i can help and I've done this in the past with uh, Mayor Emanuel on a number of issues relating to reforms. If we want to talk about reforms, uh, you know, we're very much that will help reduce costs. We're very much interested in, and I did that with the mayor of Chicago on a number of issues. Uh, pre- previous mayor, Mayor Rahm Emanuel. Uh, since we had the uh, governor endorse uh, Chris Welch's NCAA bill, uh, basically today. Do you have any feelings on that? You know what? Um, you know, I just have this problem with the commercialization of of, of undergraduate and, you know, uh, collegiate sports. I still believe in the concept, even though it seems to be waning of uh, the scholar-athlete. And uh, I think it's a, a bad idea. It's I'm not going to support it. Anything that starts from the uh, state of California is usually a no-go for me. Uh, we shouldn't Oh, be no, taking- Gavin Newsom fan, are you, huh? No. Oh. I mean, you know, it's uh, it's just one thing after another coming from them, and then we're looking at California as being a, this 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 microcosm of great ideas. It just doesn't work for me, and I don't think our caucus should be supportive of it. It's a it's a huge huge leap, and I need to talk to university presidents. I'm I'm coming out of the gate saying no, this is not the right thing to do. I don't, you know, it's 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 changing the way in which we've looked at collegiate uh, athletics uh, for for decades and decades and decades and i just you know i i read it and i just shook my head but i like i i know that representative welsh has played baseball at northwestern and uh, he's a thoughtful person we just are not going to agree on that one um uh, a lot of talk about uh, vaping issues in springfield and a, a certainly a, a very he- heavily lobbied issue correct uh do you see anything advancing as far as restrictions on that i th- you know what i think that there should be some restrictions but we have to be let's look back and see what we've done over the past year i mean we made tobacco 21 the law of illinois that should put uh, at least significant restrictions on access at least from within our powers on the ability for Individuals get access, young kids, uh, people under 21 get access to vaping products and also cigarettes. But, I, but I'm but i kind of confused because those who are supporting this vaping ban and additional work on vaping are the ones that were uh, ones that supported recreational marijuana in Illinois. So I see I'm, I'm kind of trying to reconcile that, and I'm not having any luck with it. Uh, I think it's there's a lot of negotiation going on between uh, both sides, uh, but I 
you know, I know that the president and the Senate seem to be a little more aggressive on the issue than the House. Um, I'd like to see exactly what the final product is, but I do know that a lot of the illnesses and people who have had tragedies have come from, uh, you know, the vaping have come from adulterated types of products in which marijuana or other, whether fentanyl or other things have gotten into the um, into that fluid or whatever they use to in that vaping process so um let's just make sure that we're doing the right thing and like i don't like this stuff i don't like seeing you know candy labeled uh, vaping products uh, no no more than anybody else but again let's go back to what we did i i, I supported tobacco 21 mm-hmm. but when i see that there is the people who are saying we need to make changes in vaping are the same ones that said that let's put gummy bears uh let's make sure they have thc and they have you know gummy bears and chocolates that are going to be on the counters of their homes uh <laughs> <laughs> and uh, anywhere else within reach of a of a young child, I, 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 again, I'm trying to reconcile what I think is the right thing to do, and I see some conflict at that point. So, I, again, I wouldn't get overly excited that we're going to get anything done uh, within that very limited time in Springfield, which I think may be more limited than what, what we what's think. on the schedule. Yes, and they tend to be. Um, as I said earlier, they're overrated, but they also we generally don't fill out the whole schedule when we're when we're down there. We're True, out there for a couple of days. We're speaking with State Representative Jim Durkin. He is the Illinois House Republican leader from Western Springs. I'm Rick Pearson. This is the Sunday Spin. Welcome back to your Sunday Spin. I'm Rick Pierce from the Chicago Tribune. Joining me here in the WGN Skyline studio is Illinois House Republican Leader Jim Durkin from Western Springs. Uh, Leader Durkin uh, had the governor on previously. He appears to be placing pretty high on his agenda for the veto session uh the issue of uh the consolidation of pension funds uh municipal pension funds outside chicago for a statewide fund for police a statewide fund uh for firefighters uh obviously no language yet uh but that's product of a task force wonder what your feelings are on that you know i'm very open to this concept and i think that it's it's for starters it's something we can do to our pension systems you know we still have a massive problem with our state systems but it's no different with our local police and fire which are placing a great strain upon municipal governments so and property uh, taxes and property taxes yes so um right now there seems to be a conflict which i hope can be resolved between the police and fire it's just a governance issue uh, I've spoken with uh, both sides extensively over the last few weeks. I spoke to the governor yesterday about this, and we'll be meeting in the next few days to discuss this in person. Um, uh, there's a few things. Again, it's always helpful to have a bill. Uh, I can't go to my caucus and talk about the concepts. Concepts. Uh, I got to do a little bit more than concepts. I got to show them the actual language. There's a few things in there. There's some benefit adjustments that uh, have been uh, th- have been raised, in which we're looking to see what type of impact they would have upon the systems. Those are things. The tier that- two. Correct. There's a few other ones, too, but that is something that my caucus is going to want to know about before they're going to make a decision. So there's a little work to do. I don't anticipate that this is a week that we will take up, at least in the House, consolidation. It doesn't mean that we won't address that in a week and a half. A lot can happen during that short amount of time. But I think if you can bridge the gap with uh, police and fire, and now we're just talking about investment and There's a lot of misconceptions about... even speaking conceptually, and again, yes. absent the language, but the discussion, there's been a lot of misconceptions. There sure has, and I've received those calls, those emails. There is going to be no type of benefit reduction uh, at all 
in this system. It has nothing to do with benefits. Absolutely not. And I think, as we talked earlier, whether or not there's going to have an impact on IMRF, it isn't. It, not at all. This is strictly consolidating the uh, the funds for investment purposes to get a better rate of return, better so your investment decisions we think will be more sound. Lowering got, the fees to um, investment that advisors. has been raised too. You've got just it's a cottage industry, and uh, look, I, I I'm all for capitalism, but I think we can do a better job at this point since our municipalities are are drowning, uh, and this is what the Illinois Municipal League is uh, very very strongly in support of. Our caucus, I believe, is generally uh, without seeing the language that I think that we can put votes on this thing if we believe that this is going to be fair at the end of the day. It's going to help these local governments. And uh, But again, we don't want to be in the middle of a match between the FOP and the firefighters. And right. I, and but the, I think that can get done. And But the firefighters do support this. They do. Uh, FOP. Is a, is FOP is to. not supportive, and it strictly is about the structure of the board, the investment board, and it's on, as I said, over governance. If there is, I mean, I, I, you know, there's been some discussion of taking FOP out of it and strictly being a uh, fire consolidation um, bill. You know, if that's what we have to do, I'm clearly open to that. And leave police out. And we can deal with that. And I think that over the years we've seen that where there's some catch-up at the end. You can kind of work things out. But I'm interested in reforming our pensions, and uh, I wish we can do more. We have to do more. Uh, This is a good start. Nothing more than a start. But we've, you know, and I think we've talked a lot about the five systems over the past many years. The state systems. The state systems. But we have not talked about the local funds, which are the ones which you see more of an effect upon the day-to-day lives of of people who live in the suburbs and downstate Illinois, because it is crippling, you know, the basic services that municipalities have traditionally uh, afforded their citizens. We've gotten a couple of phone calls about the issue of... uh, the proposed uh, insulin rate cap. Um, I'm no. I'm, I'm just okay. relaying uh, sure because this is something that uh, State Senator Andy Menard, Democrat from uh, Bunker Hill, has has been talking about and as as something to look at for veto session. It is uh, an issue that is worth discussing, uh, but again, I think that when it is a major major policy change uh, for any government to get into the whole idea of of regulating the price of something in the in the open market um i it's easy to say and it's a populist thing to say that we're going to cap insulin because some people are not getting access to it they're rationing their insulin uh for people who are type 1 type 2 diabetics i know a little bit about this i know a lot about it because my daughter is a juvenile diabetic and uh access to insulin and to drugs is never easy but I do know this, and I've spent some time personally, and I know I've talked to many people within the industry that there is uh, a number of opportunities for people to take advantage of to be able to access uh, discounts. Discounts, and uh, so I think it's uh, not as easy to say that you know we need to cap it at a hundred dollars a month on individuals. I don't like to get into regulation of prices. I want to make sure that people are aware of what the availability of insulin is on the market, and people need to avail themselves to um you know uh insulin at a at a fair price for particularly middle income low income individuals so it's not that easy uh, of a system uh to uh, let me just snap your fingers well you can't do that and i think just saying it is again it's a populist theme 
it should be developed more. And I'm very interested in finding more ways to help low-income individuals, people who have not had opportunities to access, you know, Novolog or Humalog to give them the opportunity to find ways in which they can have a reduced uh, cost out of their pocket for insulin. It's, but but I, I, I can't say that I agree with the senator at the moment that there is this great uh, problem uh, out there when there are opportunities that are currently in place for people to take advantage of, to use uh, uh, for discounted uh, cost of insulin. Uh, so, I, again, let's study it. Let's not make it a veto session issue. Uh, there are long-term effects that I think we have to be careful of if we're going to get into the business of regulating the cost of medicine. Not only that, but it is an interstate commerce issue. You know, look, I mean, these are great, but this is something we often talk about, oh, someone's going to sue about this. But I will tell you, there will be a lawsuit against this if the state of Illinois gets into the business of regulating the price of, of, of medicine and also other products. That's State Representative Jim Durkin, the Illinois House Republican leader. Leader Durkin, thank you for joining me. Rick, thank you, and have a great afternoon. You too, and have a great veto session. (laughs) Although maybe not as productive a one. I understand. You bet.